Well, welcome. I think some uh, the quizzing got postponed or you know canceled for this evening, so I don't know what you'll hear running around back there, but it's okay. It's all good. Uh, did you guys uh, did you guys read the, the the chapter for this week? Profile of the lukewarm. It's about to get real. <laughs> it's about to get real. It's. Uh, I think. I think this is the meat of what this this book and this study is about. It really is the meat of it all. And uh, there will be so, a lot of scripture tonight. Be more of a Bible study than a book study tonight for sure. Uh, I put it most of it on the screen. I think I got it all. We'll follow along. We'll read a lot. Um, but it, it's it's about to get pretty deep and pretty intense. Um, I think that the setup chapters is, is what I call them. Um, they did a great job at just that. They they kind of got a picture of who God is and and His majesty, and then we got a kind of a picture of uh, who we are in relation to to who He is. Uh, and then we heard a little bit about His crazy love for us. Um, and now we're going to get into the, the real meat of this stuff. But um, I'd like to open with a word of prayer. Is there anybody that has any prayer requests that we'd like to pray for this evening specifically? This is being recorded for the people that have asked me, uh, can you put these online? So I said yes. Um, so I'll just tell you that. If you just have, if you want to just pray where you are, that's fine too. Uh, if you don't want anything mentioned on the recording or anything like that. So they've asked me to, to record this as people can't get out or people want to follow along or whatever. So I'm giving them that opportunity to, to do that with the recording. Um, does anybody have anything they'd like to mention? All right. Well, let's bow our heads together. Father, we praise your name this evening. Lord, we are thankful for so many things this evening, God. We're thankful that everyone that chose to come out tonight is uh, is here and got here safely. God, the, the, the ones that want to uh, really learn about uh, what you're saying to us through this study. Um, Lord, these are timeless truths that are found in your word. And these are truths that uh, really we don't take lightly, God. So God, would you be a part of this study tonight would you just come lord would your holy spirit reveal to us whatever you would have for him revealed to us this evening god we have open hearts and open minds that god we want to learn and and we want to be better christians here while we're on this planet we want to serve you better we want to know you better god we want to be better witnesses for you uh, would you help us in that, God? Would your Holy Spirit intervene in everything that is taught and said and discussed here this evening? And we will give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, the, the profile of the lukewarm. Uh, there's been, he, Francis Chan did a sermon on this, several sermons on the lukewarm. And uh, one time I preached an entire revival based on this passage in Revelation about these churches, and we got to the lukewarm church. Um, and when you get to that in Revelation chapter 3, it really, really starts to reveal a lot of things about a lot of different, not only churches in Scripture, but characteristics of Christians in the church today. And so, um, What's what sticks out at you? Just to, just to kind of a summarize the reading this chapter. What what grabs you? What word or words immediately grabbed you from this chapter? The profile of the lukewarm. Did you? Mm-hmm. 
I think he mentions too, we have to be careful that this doesn't, uh, that the purpose of this isn't to make you feel guilty about anything. Yeah. Yeah. Of course, it's never, you can never, what's the game? Do enough for what? Yeah. Yeah. Mm hmm. Mm. When he talks about lukewarm, when the scriptures mention the lukewarm church, uh, and we'll get into some of this as we read through the scripture. Uh, it really doesn't, I don't think lukewarm describes a Christian. When the scripture says, you know, you are not hot or cold, you're lukewarm. He, uh, uh, <laughs> he mentions a few more adjectives there that, you know, you're blind, naked, poor, wretched. He, he uses those words there. And that doesn't, to me, describe a believer at all, like a, a believer. A Christian, so I'm not sure that lukewarm and Christian even go in, go together, um, as far as the scriptures go. And we'll go through those scriptures, like you said, Celeste. This kind of calls you on the carpet a little bit in front of God, not some preacher that's writing a book. It's self examination, and uh, we'll look at that too. The you know right, the Apostle Paul tells us in Second Corinthians, examine yourselves. To see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves, he says. And that's, you know, that's what hopefully we try to accomplish anytime, you know, there's a sermon preached from the pulpit in a church. Uh, it should not be um, a person up front pointing their finger condemning you. It should be the Holy Spirit translating that and, and, and him convicting you of whatever it is you're going through. And, and are you getting to that lukewarm place um i don't think that that the, the, the scriptures talk about lukewarmness as a lukewarm uh christian to make us feel like we're not doing enough as you say lee i think it's a danger that um if we're not fully committed to christ where do we stand are we even in the faith as as the apostle paul says in second corinthians let's go through some of the scriptures and there's a bunch. And as you read the chapters, you said you saw that. As he, he would read a scripture, he says, lukewarm people are not this. Lukewarm people are not that. Let's just look at the scriptures tonight. Isaiah 58 says, is, this not, is not this the kind of fasting I have chosen to loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and break every yoke? Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter? When you see the naked, to clothe them and not turn away from your own flesh and blood? This Old Testament, Isaiah, Matthew. You have heard it was said that love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. That you may be children of your father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good 
and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. And if you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. This is a big one for me. This one really, really jumped out at me and grabbed me. Whoever acknowledges me before others, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. So good news, right? Well, next verse. Whoever disowns me before others, I will disown before my Father in heaven. That is a tough, tough, tough scripture. When you talk about when you're out there in the workplace, out there in the world, out there with your family and friends, um, are you are you sort of sucked in or swayed toward laughing at their jokes, going to the places they go, hanging out with them, not looking much different, or or do you say, you know what, I'm not going to do that. You know, I, I believe I believe other than that, so I'm not going to do that. Do they know where you stand? So this whole thing of acknowledging me before others, in other words, do you do you acknowledge Christ? Do you acknowledge God? Your faith, your Christian faith before others. I'm not saying that you sit down and witness to every person that you come in contact with in the grocery store. But does your inner circle know that you you are different? You don't you don't talk like they do. You don't even think like they do. You don't act like they do. You don't partake in what they partake in per se. Because if you do, you're disowning God. You're saying, "Well, I don't really I don't really do that. I don't really believe what I say I believe." And then when it comes to it, Jesus, this is Jesus speaking, I will disown you before my Father in heaven. That's a frightening, that's a frightening idea. What do you think? There was a man who had two sons. He went to, work, he went to the first one and said, Son, go to work today in the vineyard. I will not, he answered. But later he changed his mind and he went. Then the father went to the other son and said the same thing. And he said, I will, sir. But he didn't go. Which of the two did what his father wanted? Well, the first they answered. Jesus said to them, Truly I tell you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God ahead of you. Jesus replied, this is, all of this scripture is highlighting that Jesus had some pretty strong words. And pretty, he said, you, you need to commit to this thing. You need to commit to this. This is not, this is not lukewarm. This is not half-hearted this is a commitment uh, you need to show the world like he said in those oh, that other scripture show the world that you're different and then show me that you're different show me that you really internalize this stuff jesus replied love the lord your god with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind that pretty much covers it this is the first and greatest commandment jesus rewriting history everything they do is done for people to see they make their phylacteries wide and the tassels on their garments long. These are the religious type, right? That want everything on the outside. They love the place of honor at the banquets and the most important seats in the synagogues. They love to be greeted with respect in the marketplaces and be called rabbi by others. Woe to you, he says, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. Strong words by our Savior. Blind Pharisee. Notice these words that he's using. Blind. First clean the inside of the cup and dish, and then the outside will also be clean. Woe to you, teachers of the, fair, of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You're like whitewashed tombs which look beautiful on the outside, but inside they're full of, bone, of the bones of the dead and everything unclean. In the same way, on the outside, you appear to people as righteous, but on the inside, you're full of hypocrisy and wickedness. Jesus, tell us what you really think. As they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. 
Jesus replied, Foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. He said to another man, Follow me. But he replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Jesus is referring to, you know, I have some things to do before I'm fully committing to you. Jesus said to him, Let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Still another said, I'll follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus wouldn't put up with any excuses. No one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. In other words, if you're going to do this thing, do this thing. Puts a hand to the plow. This is an agricultural society that Jesus was, was speaking to. So they would understand this language and these metaphors. So put your hand to the plow. Don't look back. Just get her done. Strong words. And, at, and he told them this parable. that The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. And thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. And then he said, this is what I do. I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then what? Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich toward God. So often in the American church, um, you know, we think, well, you know, I'm good. You know, I don't really have to get involved in all this. You know, I got my, my retirement's taken care of. I got, I'm okay. Everything's good. Now I can just kind of take it easy and, and kind of coast. And uh, that's kind of what this guy was doing. He's like, ah, I'll just build a bigger barn. I'll put it all in there, and I'll, I'll, I don't need to have the faith to believe that God's going to provide even further. But I'll just store it all up for myself so my security is not in my faith or, or in God, but it's in my own abilities, right? So I'm just going to store it all up. And Jesus says, yeah. Don't store up things for yourself. And coming to the end here, then Jesus said uh, to his host, When you give a luncheon or dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers or sisters, your relatives or your rich neighbors. If you do, they may invite you back, and so so, uh, you will be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind. Jesus is talking about the least of these. You will be blessed, although you, they cannot repay you. You will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. Or suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. Won't he first sit down and consider whether he is able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000? If he is not able, he will send a delegation while the other is still a long way off and will ask for terms of peace in the same way. Those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciples. As Jesus looked up, he saw the rich putting their gifts into the temple treasury. He also saw a poor widow put in two very small copper coins. Truly, I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all of the others. All these people gave their gifts out of their wealth, but she, out of their poverty, put in all she had to live on. Romans, what shall we say then? The Apostle Paul, shall we go on sinning that grace might increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? And then in First Timothy, command those who are rich in this present world to not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself. Do what it says. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. And then finally in the book of Revelation, to the angel of the church in Sardis write, These are the words who him of him who holds the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your deeds. 
but you have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead. To the angel of the church in Laodicea write, these are the words of the amen, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. Again, I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were one or the other. So because you were lukewarm, neither cold, hot or cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. Anybody else have a different translation? I believe it's a little stronger than that. Not just spit, but actually gag and vomit. Yeah, vomit, right. Revelation uh, 3.14, verse six, uh, 3.16. It's interesting, too. Any, anybody ever do a study of the 3.16s in the Bible? That's a fun study. Go through and, and find them all. And uh, some are meaningless, but some are huge, huge, huge verses. I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. You say I am rich. I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are, here we go, wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so you can become rich. And white clothes to wear so you can cover your shameful nakedness. And salve to put on your eyes so that you can see. Those whom I love are rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne, just as I was victorious and sat down with my father on his throne. Whoever has ears, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. That's a lot of scripture. <clears throat> the profile of the lukewarm. If that, if that stuff doesn't really make you take that self-examination portion and say, you know what, God, what? What does my life look like? What does my life look like to you, God? And what does my life look like to others? That's basically what all of that is, is that that's underlying all of those scriptures. What does my life look like to you, Lord? And what does my life look like to others? So in Revelation, when, when, when the profile of the lukewarm, you know, when we're talking about that word lukewarm, if we take the scriptures at face value, lukewarm equals what? Lukewarm, if, if, the, if a person is lukewarm, what does that equal? Neither hot or cold, it said that in the scripture. Mediocrity. You ever, you ever drink anything lukewarm? And the church in Laodicea would know all this because of the geography of the church. And I'll explain that in a few minutes. I don't think he mentioned that in the book. But you, you ever drink a, and even this, it's getting there. It's getting there. And, and if it gets to a certain point, I'm tossing it because, you know, it's not hot, but it's not a, an iced coffee. There's some people like an iced coffee or a frozen. It's not hot and not cold. It's in that in the middle. You ever you ever take a cup of coffee? It's been sitting out a little while, and you just kind of oh, you don't even think about it. You take a swig, and it's that lukewarm. And you and what do you what do you want to do? Spit it out, right? Ugh, kidding. Ugh. Or you go the other way. You take something that's supposed to be very cold, like a nice cold glass of iced tea in the summertime, and you go to drink that cold glass of iced tea. You may not realize it, and it's gotten warm by sitting out, and it's like, whoa, uh, probably watered down by the, the melted uh, It's just gross. But lukewarm is neither hot nor cold. Lukewarm equals spit out, you know, in many cases. And, and the church in Laodicea uh, would have understood that the, the geographic location of the church, you know, they had these, these aqueducts that would run down and carry water to different places and different towns and cities and a lot of times 
from what I understood in, in previous studies, the, the water would come down from another location down into the town of Laodicea. And a lot of times that water would travel down there and get lukewarm and it wouldn't be cold anymore coming from the spring. And so by the time it got down to them, it would be lukewarm. And the church in Laodicea, from what I've researched and, and heard and read about, is that they would understand lukewarmness. They would understand what that meant to drink that lukewarm water. And the, the questions that are outlined in the study guide, I... Celeste, you said you, you were b brought to tears. Self-examination, um, things like that. Uh, are, are there things, and don't answer with what they are, but are there some areas in your life and mine uh, that really, that probably need to change? I, I mean, I can stand before you as your pastor and say there are, there are some things that, that I need to change. And and I ask for God's help, and I put a lot of personal effort in. Uh, like you said, Lee, how, how can you do enough? Um, I, I, I still struggle with some things uh, that my tongue is one of them. Like I admit to you uh, in, in previous uh, sermons, you know, usually my first reaction to things is wrong. Most of the time, <laughs> still, my first reaction to something is wrong. I have to take a step back, push pause, even if it's just a moment. Um, because I'm so passionate about certain things. And when people wrong you, or people do something or say something utterly ridiculous or wrong... You want to react and you want to say, really? Come on. But you have to be more gentle sometimes. And you have to take a step back if this is something you struggle with. And I do. I'm getting better. And God is helping me. And I, you should have seen me before. <laughs> You'd say, boy, you've come a long way. And I have. But are there some things in your life that you think that you really do need to work on and change? Some, and not out of guilt. I want to stress that. Not out of guilt. Out of love and, and because you want to you just please him. That's the reason. I, I just want to please him. Just to be so enamored by God. And that's what this whole book points to. So in, so in love with God. So enamored by him that I just, I, I want to please him. And out of that desire to please him. There are some things that need to change. Any thoughts on that? Anybody want to admit anything? Uh, if you don't, that's fine. But what 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 has God shown you through this? That are there might be some areas that are lukewarm. Not necessarily your entire life. By and large, the people in this room I know serve Christ, love him, and understand what that means. But are there areas that you would admit that God is working on you? <laughs> First and foremost, I would hope that it would. Adiós.
That's important, yeah. Almost like a, a gut check. Almost like a, hey, remember what we're here for. That spoke to me through here too. Yeah. Yeah. Things that they're used to, that's huge. Yeah. Exactly. I think the scripture that was one of the scriptures that flew by on the screen about um, how we're portrayed before people. Um, Because people are watching. People are watching. Well, let's see, Mr. Christian, right? How many, how many times have I heard that in my life? Oh, let's see. I want to always do what's pleasing to God, which may or, not, may or may not be the right thing in the world's eyes, but I want to do what's pleasing to Him. There's so many times that we do what's pleasing to God, we try to, and you know, your family or your friends or whoever will call you out and say, I I wasn't the right call. And they don't understand what God's been working on you through, working you through. They don't understand what you've been through that day. They don't understand the baggage that, that the person you're talking to, maybe one of those kids brings to school every day. It doesn't give him the right to, you know, fling his pencil and hit the other kid in the eye. But it, it also, for you to be to be conscious, Garrett, and model, just hold on a second, you know? Someday that kid might think, you know that, you know that teacher we had was different. He didn't freak out on us like the other ones do. That'll mean something. Anything else that God's been dealing with you about? when reading the profile of Luke, of the lukewarm The woman caught in adultery. Where have I heard that recently? 
Would I consider those guys, those men, lukewarm? <laughs> I don't know if I would consider those men lukewarm, Lee. I think I might consider those men who brought that woman caught in the act of adultery um, cold, stone cold. I don't know that they had the, an intention of anything righteous happening in that moment. I think it was all a trap and uh, premeditated as premeditated gets. Um, all of that, yeah. So even though they were Pharisees and, and their scribes, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't. I think lukewarm would be giving those guys a pass. I think that would be too kind. Lukewarm. I do. Maybe. Yeah, but, but they would be definitely uh, on that outside, you know, outside the, the true faith that Jesus was exposing them to. I mean, he was just changing the rules. And maybe more than changing the rules, I guess I would say, he was bringing the rules more into focus and what they really meant in the first place than all these twisted ideas that those men had. But lukewarmness, I highlighted this in the study guide, it's one thing to feel conviction about not living up to God's standard, but it's quite another to desire God so intensely that you take whatever steps are necessary to get back to pursuing him with every ounce of your being. It's very important that our pursuit of God is not motivated by a desire to be good enough, but by love for God and a desire to please him with our lives. No doubt there are many aspects of your lives that need to change. But keep in mind that these changes need to flow from a heart that values God more than anything else. Lukewarmness is not the inevitable, inevitable result of being imperfect. We're all imperfect. Lukewarmness is the inevitable, inevitable result of lack of love for God. The solution is not to push yourself into behaving perfectly the solution is to cultivate your love for God. So don't beat yourself up over the things you think you're falling short and not doing and, and all of that. But just keep pushing more toward God. Keep pushing more toward God. Read his word. Study his word. I almost want to take that out of my vocabulary. Read it. Read the Bible. Study the Bible. You could read the Bible as much as you want. You could read the words, and I believe they would impact you in some way, shape, and form every time you read them. But I think when you take time to study the Bible, because the Bible is how God reveals himself to us. It's just the way he does it. Um, there are other, other uh, denominations and churches that would believe that, that the Bible is not, is not complete. It is not finished. It's not everything you need is not in the Bible. There's more. Well, I don't know why they would say that because it says right in the scripture that everything you need, it said in the, in the ones we read tonight, everything you need is right there in the scripture. Uh, so to believe that you're missing out on something because you're not doing what this other church believes or practices or there's certain blessings that you don't have or certain uh, certain gifts that you desire that you don't have and they say if you don't have them then there's, there's more um, don't think that you're lukewarm because of it you know you're just keep pressing toward God don't beat yourself up over what you don't have what you don't do what you haven't done or your shortcomings just keep pressing into him read the scripture study the scripture spend time in prayer as you said Celeste and, and I said a, a few weeks ago you know, that's where transformation happens in those intimate times with Jesus. Not so much 
in a service or it can happen. But the, I think a real deep transformation really happens on a personal level with when you're having intimate time with, with God. Uh, and I think that's what he's saying here. You know, just cultivate your love for God. The only proper response to God's love is to love him in return. First John 4.19 says, We love because he first loved us. Remember that the most important commandment is to love God with everything we have. From this love for God flows the passion and obedience that marks our lives as followers of Jesus. Are there any are there any barriers the, the the study guy would ask? Are there any barriers in your life that keep you from loving God? And you don't have to raise your hand on this one, um, but are there barriers in your life? And when I read read that question. I thought, you know, is there some kind of a background? Is there some kind of a history um, in your life that's sort of a barrier to you um, realizing how much God loves you and then keeping you from loving him that much in return? Uh, you know, is, is there something keeping you from that? Is there something keeping you from not being fully committed Eh, committed is not a good word. Not accepting that love fully and not giving him that love back. Is there some kind of a history in your life that that would hold you back? Because he wants to heal that. He wants to help that. And we talked about studying the scripture. We talked about spending time with him. But what are some practical things that you can do, that we can do to, to cultivate that strong love for God? What are some real practical things that we can do to cultivate that really a stronger love for God? Think about this, all those scriptures that we read. There were some practical things in those scriptures. You know, it dealt with the, the woman who gave all she had. It wasn't as much as the other people in that room gave that day physically, but she gave all she had. And uh, it really wasn't about what she gave. It's what the others hung on to. So is that something? But what are what are some things do you think that you've thought about in this this chapter as you read through or even as we talked and read the scriptures this evening? What are some things that you can do to, to cultivate a stronger love for God? Pray. Fervently pray. One time Jesus prayed and he sweat drops of blood. That's pretty fervent. I don't know that I would want to do that, but I often say this about prayer, Nancy, and, and I'm glad you brought it up. That um, it, it, prayer is not something that's just a checklist off of your morning routine or what you do before a meal. There was oftentimes, you know, my I would hear prayer at dinner time um, from a family member that I wasn't even sure what he said because it was just so rote, and that's just what they did, and it was like. You know, God bless John, in Jesus' name, amen. I'm like, what? What did he just say? But it was just this routine, this is what we do before we eat, and that's just what I, what I say every time, and whatever. But fervent prayer, yeah, that's that's important. That'll cultivate a stronger love. What else? Practically. A lot of different levels for getting tied up in earthly things. Mm -hmm. Mm 
Yeah. That's great. Call that a prayer, but right? Conversation with God, but saying it out loud, God, help me with this. God, help me not to say that. God, you know what I want to say right now, and I'm praying for your intervention. Mm -hmm. Take that listening to to Christian music, um, just like you, you said, prayer, right? Taking that one step further in fervent prayer taking the listening to Christian worship one step further and actually, or Christian music and actually causing yourself to worship. Um, I'll often, you know, find myself trying to learn a new song on the guitar or something and I'm just trying to plunk out the chords and read the music. And then an hour later, I'm, I'm way off into some other song that I've always known and I'm actually having time of worship. And... It's kind of silly sitting there in my living room with my guitar and my eyes closed and just, you know, playing and worshiping. And it's just right there in the moment, just me and God just worshiping. And it's not no longer reading chords and, and words on a page. It's this is worship. So if you could turn that into a worship time, even more so, not that it's not. In the scripture that we, some of the scriptures that we read, it talked a lot about. Um, I, I feel that it, it really definitely danced around uh, serving others. You know, when you're inviting people over to your to your house for a banquet, it said, "Don't invite the people you'd normally invite. Invite people that you normally wouldn't invite." Is what that was saying. You know, love the unlovable, that kind of thing, and invite people that you normally wouldn't. Who would you Who would you invite to that get together that you normally wouldn't? Um, that's something I think that can help us cultivate a stronger love for God is, is reaching out to the marginalized in not even in society, but even in our own lives, the marginalized people on the margins of our family would recommend driving by the, you know, the person on the street and, and bringing them to your house every, every time, because that can get a little dangerous sometimes. But what if you just start with the marginalized people in your family? You know, that one that, well, nobody likes. It's the one you're thinking of right now. It's the one that nobody wants to invite over again. Not with those kids. Invite them over. Don't you think they know when they're when they're, well, sometimes they don't, I'm convinced, but sometimes, oftentimes they know when they're that person because they don't get asked to stuff. They don't get invited to stuff. And then that bitterness grows. Next time you're having a get together, ask them to come and bring their kids and prepare accordingly. They'll see that. Your love for God will grow because you showed them that, that love and they will see it in you. You'll know. I was going to say, if you don't know who that person is in your family, that's not good news. It's you. <laughs> I didn't say that, though, because I was asking the Lord to help me not to say that. Yeah. I know a lot of you are thinking it. But try and think of these things that... I really think that lukewarm is something that we're going to spend a little time talking about and going back to. Um, lukewarm, I really think, and, and Chan would agree, I've heard his sermons on this, and I've, I've read what he thinks about it, and I, I agree, too, that that lukewarm description in Revelation is not describing Christians that fall short, not describing the people that love God and just, you know, don't, just fall short for a season or even a moment. Uh, I really believe that the lukewarm he's talking about are people that uh, would say they believe and they have a, a sense that they are righteous and they are actually not. Um, they would say that they're okay and they're actually not because he calls them those other adjectives, you know, blind, wretched, poor, 
pretty strong words. But I don't think that, um, I think that if you, if long enough you don't cultivate that love for God, I think you can get really close to being lukewarm. Um, many of us have known people who are, who have stayed away from the faith for a long time, making conscious decisions to constantly, you know, constantly just not gather with God's people. Um, and then after a while, you look at their lives a lot of times and they are not as close to God as they once were or than they ever would be or could be. And so while I wouldn't think that if you're sitting here tonight and you would tell me that you're a believer and that you love the Lord and you do things that, that the Lord commands you and you're sensitive to what he speaks to you through his word, through worship, through prayer, I don't think you're in danger of being lukewarm. But don't get so high on your horse to think that it couldn't happen to you. We are all one decision away from it happening to us. And don't think that it can't. I don't think that it can't. Tragedies happen and lives change. Things happen and lives change. Don't think that it won't happen to you or couldn't. Keep yourself humble in that regard. Any other thoughts on lukewarm before we draw this thing to a close this evening? Yeah. How long do you think a Christian, a true believer, what's jumped out at me when you're reading that, how long do you think a true believer, a Christian, can have one foot in the world and one foot in the church? In the faith, let's say. I think he's... You're, you're on dangerous ground there. That seems to be what this is talking about. You know, you're either you're either a believer or you're not. You know, you're, there's no there's no lukewarm here. Uh, knows our heart yeah
Yeah. Yeah. Don't scientists say that too? That you're either nothing is ever standing still, right? Something to that effect. You're either sort of like that whole an object that's in motion tends to stay in motion. An object at rest tends to stay at rest. But I don't think there's ever a Christian that is at, uh, that is not moving one way or the other. I think you're right. And if you're feeling that way, not you, but if you know someone who's feeling that way, um, self-examination. Say, hey, God, I, I don't know where I stand. It's almost that either you're for us or you're against, you're either for us or against us. That's not in the Bible. You know, but, you know, it, it's true. And I think that this, this, the emphasis on the lukewarmness of the unbelievers that he's talking about, I, I think we can bring that into what, in our lives, saying, you know what, you're not that far away sometimes. Are you hot or cold? There is no lukewarm. <laughs> if I could quote the great theologian, Master Yoda, Yeah, do or do not, there is no try. You're either doing it or you're not. You're either a Christian or you're not. And lukewarmness, as we said, equals spit out. Oh God, help me. I don't ever want to be spit out. Ever. That's He's talking about eternity. Don't, don't let me... Don't let me be caught being lukewarm. Help me to show the people around me, in my family, my kids, my wife, my friends. Help me to help me to show those people that I'm not lukewarm. I'm not wishy-washy in my faith. I'm a Christian. And there are certain things I do and there are certain things I don't do, not because I'm afraid of being punished if I do or don't do it, but because I love him. That's the only reason. And that's what he's saying. The only reason to do or not do is because you love him. And why do we love him? Because he first loved us. Well, I want to thank you all for your participation this evening. This is what I envisioned this to be. Um, I hope it's not too preachy. I don't want it to be that. I want it to be this interaction. I want to hear your thoughts. You all have valuable thoughts, and I want you to know that others hearing those thoughts are important. And um, this is a good a good book. I think we're going to go slowly into the next chapter, if at all, next week. Read it, and we'll bounce off of this one and go into the next um, after the profile of the lukewarm. I mean, we can spend a lot of time talking about the scriptures that that he mentions in there and I want to dive a little deeper into some of those if that's okay but uh, let's let's close with a word of prayer it'd be okay if we stand for that is it okay if I put you on the spot Celeste to pray for pray us out thanks